welcome Hoosier fans to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most interesting topics in the world of Indiana basketball, which some weeks is easier than others. This is our 178th edition of Assembly Call Radio and is our 633rd episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of Thursday, July 16th, 2020. I'm your host, Andy Bottoms. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud Banner Moment. And Indiana is the national champion. When it comes down, Indiana will be champion. Smart takes the shot. The Hoosiers have won the national championship. Well, in a week like this, I get a note left in the run sheet that says, good luck with this one for the banner moment uh, from Jared. So I'm going to go a little uh, IU related, but uh, not directly related to IU uh, hanging a banner. But uh, for those of us who have missed sports a great deal, uh, the the basketball tournament or the TBT uh, that just finished up earlier this week uh, proved to be one that was uh, successful from a... Uh, the way it was run standpoint and, and may provide some kind of blueprint for what other uh, sports are trying to do. They really managed any kind of uh, coronavirus outbreaks quickly and were really clear on how they were going to do that uh, and turned out to be a really entertaining tournament as it's uh, become over the course of time. And in the final for the sideline cancer team, I got to watch Mo Creek and Remy Abel play for that team. And both those guys just played huge roles in, in that team's uh, trip to the finals. I think they were seated uh, they're like the 22nd ranked team going in. So they ended up playing uh, an extra game to get where they get where they were. They eventually lost at the end and, and Creek, you know, kind of crumbled to the ground. It was just uh, really distraught about not winning, but he had hit the game winner uh, to get him there uh, with the Elam ending. And uh, both those guys really, really excelled. Mo uh, showed, showed some flashes, although he doesn't uh, get around probably as well as he did when he first uh, was at IU, but kind of deceptively was still able to get to the basket, did a really good job. Remy Abel was really strong defensively and uh, and played well. So it was cool to see a couple former Hoosiers really playing well and uh, and being able to watch some basketball, quite honestly. So perhaps just the fact that uh, was able to watch a, a series of basketball games <laughs> over a couple weeks is uh, as banner moment as any. But uh, congrats to those guys for making it that far for a really strong showing. And it was, uh, I think I speak for a lot of IU fans saying that it was really fun to watch those guys uh, make that make that run, watch them play, and, and see just how big a part of their team they were. So with that, let me introduce my esteemed co-host for this week's show. To my left. He remembers the days when a movie cost a dollar. Heaven help you if you ever decide to pop your collar. Play hard, but remember fake hustle is a crime. He's the coach and it's Tonsoni time. Coach, what's on your mind this week? Well, you know, you're always searching for stuff in the middle of the summer on a normal year, and then you've had some delays in players showing up in the summer. But what's on my mind is that uh, Indiana continues to be able to have some voluntary workouts, haven't had any setbacks. Uh, we don't get a lot of information about what's going on, but they're in the weight room with uh, Coach Marshall getting better, getting acclimated to the school. So that's got to be exciting. Uh, i also say that, uh, you know, Indiana University has a lot of athletes, and it, it means a lot to them. As you mentioned, you know, uh, playing basketball at Indiana, but playing sports in general as Mo Creek uh, really wanted that, that win for, 
for more than just the million dollar prize. You can tell he was a huge competitor. Uh, I had the, uh, the good fortune to join our friends at Hoosier Heartland and talk uh, to a volleyball uh, player um, and her desire to do well, but also her interest in mental health. And it reminded me that our, our basketball athletes, our football athletes, uh, our, our young men and women that are, are pursuing careers uh, and knowledge and, and maybe a sport that'll uh, help them in, in the future. And that just makes me uh, really want uh, things to go smoothly and see competition and, and have normalcy and athletics back because uh, they work hard in the classroom and they work hard uh, on the courts and fields uh, at, in Bloomington. So hoping that this can continue this summer workout and, and we get sports as, as we normal normally can as, as soon as possible. I would agree with that. And to my left. Analyzing players, finding every wrinkle. He hasn't ever hosted, never lifted a finger. He's got all the well, let me quickly add just one thing about this. Dude just interrupted his own jingle. He is Ryan Phillips. Ryan, I know you've uh, said you've been spending the day talking about the uh, Washington football team. So perhaps even what little IU basketball news we have uh, to talk through tonight is a welcome uh, distraction for you. But uh, what else? What else do you have on your mind this week? It is. I look. I want to echo what what Coach said. I thought it was great to see Remy Abel and Mo Creek playing in that uh, TBT. It was really fun. A blast from the past. Travis Diener nailing a three to win the whole thing. Uh, that was kind of that was kind of fun. Uh, I also I think that you know we've had some we've had no negative uh, reports coming out really of of uh, from Indiana being back on campus. I think that's another thing to sort of be thankful for. You see other schools having to shut down or maybe not following the right protocols and all that stuff. So uh, just like no, a non-negative week, I guess, is what I would say when there's so much negativity floating around with college sports uh, to, to hear some, you know, not have any of it emanating from Indiana is right now feels like a bonus. So uh, just a positive there uh, that it, everything seems to be going okay at IU with, uh, I think the exception of a, I saw a few positive COVID tests, but it didn't seem alarming or anything. Only I think it was like four uh, of the you know over a hundred they tested. So um, again, positive so far. Yep, I would uh, I would agree. More far more positive than negative, and I think yeah. at this point that's all we'll uh, all <laughs> is is as good a news as we might get. Uh, so this week, planning to talk through a few things. We've got a, a handful of headlines here that we'll hit on here in a minute. Uh, we're going to talk uh, about the incoming freshmen. We've done more in-depth scouting reports uh, on on each of them as they've committed. This is a little bit more of an overview, but we had finished uh, the, the series of returning players, so wanted to circle back and, and talk through a few questions about the incoming guys, and then we'll answer your questions, as we always do, in the final segment. It's all coming up this week on Assembly Call Radio. And before we get to all that, a few quick announcements. Uh, Again, please continue to support our friends at Home Field. You can find them at homefieldapparel.com and use the promo code ASSEMBLY20 at checkout uh, for 20% off your order. They launched their first of, I believe, at least 15 teams, uh, new teams, uh, last week as part of their big new Saturday. Tulane was the first one out. Um, A lot of really cool designs that I managed to restrain myself from ordering any more of as we went. They've also got a subscription service if you want to sign up to get shirts from uh, the series that they've got planned. So uh, a lot of great things going on there uh, from uh, from our friends Connor and everybody else at uh, Homefield Apparel. So with that, 
Guys, uh, who's your headlines this week? Uh, the first one is a, a somber note. Steve Bushi passed away at 59 following complications from a heart attack that he suffered over July 4th weekend. Uh, Bushi was the Mr. Basketball in 1979, was the first Mr. Basketball from Washington, uh, was then, uh, they've had three since then and all the Zeller brothers, but he was, he was the first from there in 1979, was a member of the 1981 NCAA championship team, a member of three Big Ten championship, Big Ten champions, uh, and was inducted into the Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame in 2009. Uh, so, uh, you know, sad to, to see his passing had played 110 career games. At IU average five, a uh, little bit over a game and uh, you know, a few words, uh, Archie uh, tweeted out something about being saddened to hear of his passing. Uh, and so, uh, you know, like, like I said, kind of sad news there. Um, Coach, I, I know some of that was around the time that you had started to get into um into IU basketball. So didn't know if you had any uh, thoughts, memories of, of watching Steve Bushy play that uh, you wanted to share. I, you know, that was right back when, when I got started, I remember him, he had a nice little jumper, 12 foot jumper for, for a big guy. Uh, it wasn't a prototypical uh, post up that I remember. Um, but he, he was again, that type of Indiana player that we all admire, that guy that understands his role and then executes his role to, to the best and helps the team win. As you mentioned, the, the, the championships and the Big Ten uh, championships, and that—that's every team needs those kinds of players, and and he was one of those. And, and it's just from a personal standpoint, as you start getting my age at fifty-three, and uh, we've had uh, a few Indiana past Indiana players that have have passed away recently. Some quite a bit older than myself, but but uh, Steve Bucci is in, in my era. That that just it makes it a little more somber uh from from my end because those are the guys that really brought me into indiana basketball and you wish nothing but the best for him and his family yeah and then ryan you you had touched on uh one of the other topics that we had to talk through here so uh between of the, of the covid test administered between june 24th and july 8th there were 112 uh there were four positives 108 negatives and overall, since the testing began, those were the only four positives and 295 negative tests overall. So, again, as we said, I think, uh, and I think we've seen that a lot with a um, number of these colleges that have released numbers. Uh, they're all doing it a little bit differently and releasing things on a different cadence. And, and I think this is the time of year that you're probably a little, a bit better able to manage some of that. The, the challenge really becomes as other students start to come back on campus in in large numbers, can you really keep that up? Because to a certain extent, you can – it's not completely a bubble. There are certainly people uh, in Bloomington. Some students stay there year-round, so it's not like it's a complete ghost town. But we all know from, from having been there that there's a huge difference – um, you know, between the summer and, and when classes start back up. So it's a good sign that they've been able to do this now. I think Ryan, the, the, you know, the real question becomes, how are you able to sustain what you've done? What practices can you put in place to make sure that things don't start to spike in the way we've seen in a lot of other places? Yeah. And I think one of the big things is the, this summer, you need to learn a lot. You need to learn the best practices. You need to learn what works. You need to learn, okay, there are four people who got positives, how they get positives. Let's figure that out. Let's, you know, okay, figure out what they were doing, who they were interacting with. Okay. Let's cut that out. Let's make sure you're doing X, Y, and Z properly. Uh, I think that's what this summer is really about and, and why it's good for athletics to actually have the students back now because they can get ahead of the curve if we're going to have college athletics this year. And hopefully we do. But, um, you know, if you don't, you're seeing 
the reason why a lot of people are thinking we're not going to have college athletics, you're seeing some of these schools come back to campus and just have it hit decimate their athletic departments to where the point where a lot of schools have shut down their voluntary workouts because of it. So you've got to be able to manage this. You've got to make sure your kids are taking it seriously. You've got to make sure that everybody involved is taking it seriously because again, we're not going to get college athletics and then every, unless everybody's taking all this stuff seriously. So uh, I think it's a good thing to have them on campus now to sort of work out the kinks with the protocols, maybe bump the protocols up and make it more stringent. Uh, but whatever they're doing, they need to continue to improve on it and adjust. And, and we're all adjusting our lives to this thing. I mean, a couple of weeks ago, schools were all going to be back in session in person. Then a second, you know, some more, uh, I, I guess it's not a second wave, but another wave of the virus hits and you're seeing everybody talk about, how, well, no, now we're not going to do in-person classes. I mean, things can change. We're seeing things change week to week with this. And so I think that the, the school needs to be nimble. I think the big 10 needs to be nimble on this stuff. And, you know, if there was any leadership whatsoever from the NCA, which there hasn't been, they would need to be nimble as well in, in trying to figure out the best ways to approach this and attack this. Yeah, really, in terms I think of... It's, Go ahead, Kush. I, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I think it, it's interesting. I think Indiana's trying to do a nice job with the the mask up for each other, the athletes on, on social media. A uh, small thing, and, and I think that's that's important. And so you're, you're seeing some education of the athletes in that way. The big question to me is when everyone's back on campus and the events start happening off campus and things, those will be hard to say no to if you're a college age kid and you just need to realize that there is uh, something down the road uh, in this crazy times to make sure uh, to spend a year being abnormal, to have some level of normalcy instead of jumping right into normal and having it shut down. But I, I do appreciate Indiana's attempt um, to, to share who you're masking up for. It's always someone in another program. So that's that 24 uh, sports one team mentality being displayed here in the health situation. Yeah, I would agree. Just in, in terms of other news along those lines, I think we've seen a couple other um, football conferences say they weren't going to play games in the uh, in the fall. Uh, that being, I think the Patriot League and the MEAC are the ones that I can think of. Uh, other leagues have come out and said they're not going to play non-conference games following the the lead of the Big Ten. And uh, frankly, uh, just to jump in, that's where we're headed. I think everyone's yeah. going to go non, no non-conference. I think. Yeah, so, at, at the very least, that's going to be the decision. Yeah, so I think they have that still going, and then you know, basketball-wise, there's a, a little bit of an ability to to wait uh, a bit longer and and see what happens. As Ryan, as you said, uh, everything has uh, you know everything's changing pretty rapidly. Anything else, Ryan, from your perspective that you've seen this week that I'm forgetting about from a the, at least uh, collegiate sports-wise that's that's happened that may make us feel better, worse, or uh, or the same? Not really. I think you're you're seeing a lot of conferences have meetings and not jump the not like pull the trigger on going no non-conference like the big 10 and the pac 12 did uh but i think that they all know that's where they're headed i think the sec when the sec does it everybody else is going to fall in line it, it, i don't know if the sec will be the next team in the next conference they may be the last conference to do it uh but if the sec does it everyone else is going to be well if the sec is not doing it we're not gonna, we're not gonna play a conference game so i i really think that uh that that's where we're headed. And, and the reason why, and, and we've talked about this, is there's no leadership from the NCAA. So these conferences all have different protocols for what they're doing. And that's not the way this should be. The NCAA needs to lead from the front. Mac Brown today was on Paul Feinbaum's show saying, we need a commissioner of college football because the NCAA is doing nothing. At least if there were one person, 
making decisions for all of us. We could, you know, or at least consulting with conference commissioners, they could come up with a consensus. But right now the NCAA just feels like it's this nebulous organization above all of the schools not doing anything, just saying, ah, best practices, do what you can, and not coming up with hardened guidelines. And so each conference has had to do it themselves. And if that's the case, I mean, you can't go to another campus that's outside your conference with different protocols and expect to be safe. So I think that's the real problem here is the NCA has not stepped up at all. The national leadership has not been there. So um, I think that that's who to blame in all of this. And, and uh, you know, the conferences are going to do the best they can, but we don't know how good that's going to be. So we'll see. Uh, hopefully. I mean, look, I'm a, I'm a huge college sports fan. Obviously I do this as part of my living. Um, and, and, and I want college sports to happen in the fall, but I also realize I recognize the reality that, you know, if this isn't handled correctly, it could be a complete disaster that college sports don't recover from for a long time. Yep. Yeah. I thought it was interesting. Uh, one of the, I think it was this week, they're all, all kind of run together, but the, uh, I think it was the Iowa state athletic director had, you know, released a statement and, uh, or sent a, a message to ticket holders and basically kind of went through the economics, even for, a big 12 program of what this would mean. And I think uh, you're right, Ryan, the ramifications of it are uh, pretty far reaching. If you get to a point where you're saying, Hey, we can't play at all, but um, these people are being forced to make difficult decisions in an un, uh, really unprecedented time that there's no playbook on, in terms of how to handle. So I think they're trying to push things down the road as long as they can, but uh, eventually you're going to run out of road and have to make a decision and um, hopefully things uh, improve before we get to that point. All right. Well, coming up on the assembly call, we are going to talk through uh, the freshmen, uh, complete our offseason player preview series by doing that. Talk about strengths, weaknesses, and how many minutes we project each to receive this season. Stick with us. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Hey guys, it's Gene Steratore, CBS officiating analyst and retired Big Ten basketball official. You know I have never listened to the assembly call, and to be honest, I don't intend to. But if you listen, make sure you ignore anything Ryan says about officiating. He's really good from the seat of his pants, but I wouldn't trust him on the court with a whistle around his neck. Time has proven him wrong on virtually everything. Take care. We'll talk soon. Oh, never, never gets old. Oh, Thank you, Gene. And, oh, uh, you know, that's one I, I, I picked that one partly just because I think uh, if you guys are like me, it's been kind of a long week. Not a lot of good news to be had on a, uh, uh, any number of fronts. And uh, it's just kind of like, uh, you know, that it's hard not to smile about that. And every time that you think he's done, then I forget that he throws in the time is proving going. him wrong on almost everything. So <laughs> uh, perfect. Just good stuff. But uh, Jerry that, paid extra to get the, to get the second half of that put in. There. It was worth every penny, whatever it was with that. Welcome back to the assembly call. You can find all of our content at our website, assemblycall.com. And if you ever want to join the chat mob during our unedited live broadcast or watch those replays and see all the between segment banter, then check out our 
YouTube channel at youtube.com slash assembly call. I'm Andy Bottoms here with Ryan Phillips and the coach Brian Tonsoni. And uh, we've we finished up the uh, player previews for all the returning players. And so we figured the best place to go would be to talk to freshmen. Uh, we've done, I think at various points over as they committed basically a show or a segment dedicated to Ryan's in-depth scouting report uh, of all those guys. So um, we're not going to do individual shows for each one, but kind of thought we would turn it into a little bit of a roundtable about all four guys. So uh, within this, you've got Christian Lander, Trey Galloway, Anthony Leal, and Jordan Geronimo, which I'm sure all IU fans know, but we'll uh, throw those out there. So just kind of had a few questions that we thought we would hit and talk about uh, used to, to frame up our thoughts on their outlook for the season. Uh, so first question that, uh, that, that I had thrown out was what's the most important skill or attribute that will get them on the floor, uh, either early on or throughout their freshman season. So, uh, we'll kind of take these, I guess, in the order that I, uh, that I listed them off. So Christian Lander. So coach, I'll throw this to you first. What, what gets him on the floor, uh, early and often? I, I think his ability to create uh, if he is as advertised with his speed and his handle and his ability to push the basketball, I think that brings another uh, weapon to the Indiana offensive attack. And, you know, high school kids are one thing. you got to be able to prove it. He is coming in a year earlier. Those, those are some concerns. We'll talk about that a little later. But can he really push the pace? Uh, can he score the basketball uh, from outside in the lane? and score against Big Ten competition. But I think the speed uh, of of him with the basketball and being an initiator, um, there's been some videos that came out just recently where he has some nice feeds up the court with his head up and, and on the fast break, and he has seems like a knack, at least at the high school level, to find guys trailing the break or when he's driving and kicking. Uh, he, he shared the basketball, and, and I didn't see him play all his minutes, so I don't know if – if there are other times where he should have shared it a little bit more, but you know, you only get so much from a, a five minute YouTube clip. You get all the good things. You don't get some of the bad things, but I, I'm interested in the pace. And I think that gets him on the floor uh, and gets him major minutes. Ryan, what about you? Uh, I couldn't decide between two because I think they're equally important for him. And it's the speed as coach mentioned, just his ability to get up and down the floor. And, and that's what Archie Miller has been looking for a little more of out of his point guard. The other is his vision and his ability to create for others. Now, those things kind of tie in. His speed and ability to get into a good position to create for others, so they kind of tie in, but it's both of those things that he does that puts him above other people on this team if you know it translates well and everything. But yeah, his ability to create and, and, and open things up for other people using his vision and his anticipation on the floor, and of course that speed to get the ball up the floor. I think it's both. Yeah, I think with him, those are those are really the clear answers. Uh, Jared had written in the sheet about pace. You know, we talked about all those times Archie's, you know, imploring these guys to push the ball up the floor, do some of those things. I don't think that's a, something he's going to have to to ask Lander to do a whole lot. And for a team that has struggled a lot offensively, the, a guy who can get them into, you know, get defenses into more scramble situations, uh, try to get some easy buckets just by pushing the ball up the floor, using that vision, uh, being able especially to create. With a guy like, especially with a guy like yeah. Trace who runs the floor. I mean, yeah. you get the ball up the floor quickly, you get him in a good spot to get a quick bucket. Yeah, just uh, you know, and I think the the playmaking thing is an important one as well. You get in a late shot clock situation, do you have a guy that can really break somebody down and get into the lane, even if he's not the guy to shoot? I think that's something that's also Finnessy has shown at times an ability to do that, but it's it's been inconsistent. So I think those are the those are the things with him. All right, so we'll move next to Trey Galloway. So 
Coach, I think anybody who's listened to you uh, talk probably knows what you're going to say about what gets uh, Trey Galloway on the floor, but I'll, I'll let you say it instead of uh, putting words in your mouth for you. I, I never use the word toughness. Not, uh, not so once. Not once. Not, not once. Um, but, but toughness will get him on the floor. His ability to guard and his ability to stir things up. Um, th- there are times as coaches where your team's flat or, or things just aren't going your way, and, and, and you, want, you want to give it to a guy who will stir up some crap uh, legally, you know, a Will Sheehy type where you go in and you agitate and, and that agitation then feeds the, the crowd if we have a crowd. And then it, it feeds off to the other players as well. And, and you can also change momentum with, with defense uh, and, and stopping someone uh, that has been giving you trouble or giving the team trouble for 10 minutes. Go in and shut them down for two or three minutes, get the game back into a, a place where you can make a charge. And then I think he, he is also the ability to get out on the run if they're having success running, that's where he's going to be on his best offensively as opposed to half-court set offense. So if they're in a situation where he can defend, get some steals, and get out and go, he's going to get out there. But he's just – if he plays in college the way he did in high school, it's his toughness, and he's a coach's kid. So he's been through the ringer, you know, having to listen to dad all the time when he's driving home, uh, getting coached, and then getting the old dad lecture, which is a double dose, uh, makes him ready to play. Ryan? It's 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 an easy one for me. It's his effort and you know, I guess if you call it a motor, whatever, he just doesn't quit when he's on the court and he plays hard. And there are times that we've seen sometimes this Indiana roster the last couple of years has kind of had like a collapse in energy. And whether that's they're worn out, they're tired, whatever, we've had you know, we've had these guys with injuries and, and things like that that it shortens the bench and guys get worn out from playing, maybe playing in positions they're not supposed to. You need somebody to come in and just provide energy. And, and that was what Victor Oladipo was so good at. Even before his junior year where he became a star, he would come in and just – he and, and Coach mentioned him, she as well – come in and provide energy. And, and I think that Galloway will do that immediately. In the long run, I, I agree that he might be the guy that is like a defensive stopper, can do all these different versatile things for you. But immediately what he provides as a freshman is energy. And he's just going to up the up the pace of everybody who's on the floor because he's going to be a guy who goes out, dives on the floor, and goes after basketballs and is always given 100%. And I think that's what makes him special as a freshman. I think he can develop into more. But right now, he's that energy guy. Ryan, you, you brought up a point. A lot of times, especially on the road, in games that got out of hand, 13, 15, there was a huge run generally at the 15, 14 mark of the second half. Where maybe you could use him as a spark. It seemed like this team got down, felt sorry for itself, whether they were struggling on the offensive end or whatever, and they'd give up an 18-2 run and game's over. Uh, that he's the type of guy that you could put in for that and dive on the, you know, for a loose ball. Uh, kind of a, a scholarship McRoberts. Um, you know, better than probably McRoberts. But we loved McRoberts because he would do all those things and dive and hustle. I remember one at the half court where he dove out of bounds, saved it, Indiana scores, and next thing you know, there's a roll. So you yeah. could use people like that to stop negative runs. Uh, and that happened way too much for the team last year, uh, those negative runs, especially on the road. And again, I think that as in the long run in his career, he develops into more of that. He can score. He's going to, I think his shot's going to get better. He can handle the ball, all of those things. But if you're looking at the one attribute that's going to get him on the floor quickly, it's that energy. Yep. I would, uh, I would agree with you guys. So I won't, I won't belabor that. I think the, the hustle, um, you know, Ryan, you used the word spark or coach. I think you jumped in and use that. That's, that's the one thing that I was really thinking of. Can you, 
you know, if you see the energy get low, is he a guy that you can throw out there to do that? And I think defensively, he's also got some versatility to guard different positions. Uh, next up, Anthony Leal. Uh, Ryan, I'll throw this one to you first. Uh, what gets him on the floor? Again, this one feels like a, a relatively uh, simple answer uh, based on what this team has lacked and what he's most known for. It's his shooting. And, 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 you know, to some degree his basketball IQ too. I mean, he's played a lot of basketball. He knows what he's, what he's getting into going to Indiana and he knows uh, the level he's going to be at. He can hit shots from deep. He can hit tough shots. Uh, is he going to stand there as a freshman to be a 45% three point shooter? No, but he's a guy who can make shots can pretty consistently. And I think once he gets used to the college game, um, he will make shots and I think he'll draw fouls too, because he's a guy that teams are going to overplay that shot on. And if he's smart, he could pump fake drive by, you know, get into the teeth of the defense, maybe draw a foul. But I think that shooting ability is what everything is going to work off of for him. Long run, different answer. I think that it's toughness, leadership, all of those things. Short run, it's that shooting ability. Coach? You know, I agree. Shooting number one. Uh, but he's also a, a guy that I think can be a spark like Galloway a little bit too because I think he wants to be in Agreed. Indiana and he wants to win. He's been a winner at the high school level. And it's so important. Sometimes people look at the, you know, the offensive skill or the footwork or how high you can jump, but sometimes winning matters just as much as those physical skills. And I think Anthony is a winner. And I think you can put him out there in another situation as a spark in that way as well. He's going to get out there uh, because of his shooting. But think about this. These Indiana guys, and we've been clamoring, and, and whether it's right or not, wanting Indiana recruits and, and get old, stay old type guys. When were we ever upset with Armand Franklin's effort? Never. He might have turned the ball over, taken a bad shot or whatever. I think Anthony is not necessarily the same type of player, basketball player, but he's going to be the same type of Indiana kid who's going to come in. And when he's out there, he's going to do everything he can do and that is much needed um, in, in this program. And so the that, and then he can make people better in practice too, because I just think he's going to push people for playing time and, and other people are going to have to elevate to stay on the court and get some run. Yeah. One, one more thing to notice for people when you're looking at recruiting rankings, recruiting rankings do not take into account things like winning and, and being, a, and being a part of a winning culture at a winning program, whatever they evaluate individual skill and rank you. The winner part of it, we've got Indiana's starting to stockpile a lot of those guys. You know, when you have three guys who've played AAU together, as Lander and, and, and Leo and Galloway, too, that makes practice. Automatically, they're coming in and they're pushing. The, if they're on the second team, they're pushing that first team because they've been able to play. The older guys have experience advantage, but those younger players kind of know where the guy likes to pass, where he's going to be, and that's going to elevate. Um, so the combination of those three playing AAU is something that I think we forget about these individual freshmen coming in that the collectively, and if they can absorb Geronimo in that mentality and, and really push people in practice, that is a big plus for, for Indiana. Yeah, so let's so let's talk Geronimo as as the you know lesser known of of them, the lesser known commodity to IU fans, to Indiana fans. So, uh, coach, I'll throw this one to you first. Ian, what what do you think is the the key skill or attribute that gets Geronimo uh, playing time if he earns that this year? Well, I, I think if he can be a, a some sort of asset defensively uh, early on in his career with his athleticism, I think he's got the most upside. Uh, the comp level of competition is a concern of mine in, in high school to understanding the game and playing at the level uh, that the Big Ten will be. But, boy, he has a nice jump shot. He has some moves to dunk the basketball. But I think 
you know, you can never get enough guys to come in and, and give a two-minute segment to stop someone defensively, whether that's more likely at the three, but uh, it could be at the two, maybe even if he's physically enough to play some fours if needed uh, because there's only three post players. So that would get him on the floor this year, and then the rest of the, his skill level will get him on the floor his sophomore through senior year. Right. I think it's his athleticism and, and his, his length. He's a, he's a very long player. Um, and he's also the thing about him that, that shows up on tape is, is that he's athletic in, in the fact that he can jump really high and stuff like that, but he's also great moving side to side. Like he can, he can stop a driver. And, and that's something that a lot of guys, they're really good at going up and they're really good at going in a straight line. And you have to go to college to get that kind of side to side movement, cutting off driving lanes, all that, and get those instincts. He already has that. Now, is he as polished as some of the other guys who are going to, you know, come into the Big Ten this year? No, of course not. He needs polish. He needs to work, and he's playing against better competition. That said, you watch him and you see a guy who can contribute. He also became a pretty good spot up three point shooter this year. Um, he he was, you know, knocking down shots towards the end of the year that I think surprised a lot of people. Uh, do I think that he's going to step on the floor in the, in college and do that right away and be able to contribute from the three point line as much? No. But I think that he's a guy whose athleticism and his ability to affect the game with that athleticism and length is going to get him on the floor. Yeah, I mean, I think if you if you talk about wanting to get out and push the pace a little bit, he's a guy who fits really well um, from a you know from a athleticism run on the floor. I think that fits in well if they're able to do that. And the shooting, if it does translate, what what we saw during that time that he um, started to rise up the recruiting rankings. Given the general lack of interior players, could he be a stretch four in that scenario? I think that might become intriguing if they want to uh, go that route. But I think, yeah, it's – it's and, and he's talked um, – I think it was the interview he did with the Hoosier Hysterics about really wanting to be strong defensively. So uh, that is the, the key to get to uh, Archie's heart. He has the as, build for it. As we know. So I think he could be an effective defender. Coach, you said in the chat you have a you have a player comp, but then you well, wrote not like really. So, we don't, we so don't I'm like not really sure where you want me to go. With so I, I just didn't know how else to put it in the chat. But uh, and I don't think he's this player, but he kind of reminds me of OG a little bit with his athleticism, but yet it needs to develop. He has some smoothness, but yet it needs to be at a level uh, in the Big Ten where OG came in and was feeling his way that first part of that freshman year and got a lot. He better was a ball the, of potential, yeah, yeah, ball of potential. And then boom, and, and I'm not forecasting the NBA right away after two years, but I, I see him as that type of player that once he gets the understanding of the Big Ten level, his athleticism will help him do a lot of things that some players can't do that don't have his athleticism. All right, so a little quicker on the next one. So what what is something, you know, again, we'll kind of go through each guy, but we'll do it, do it quicker this time. What's What's something that could hold them back? So we'll uh, we'll kind of start back at the top with Lander. Uh, Ryan, what's something that, that might hold him back from being able to play as much as maybe people hope that he would? Just his, his, his youth and and the the lack of like physical build that, he, that some of the guys he's going to go up against have. You know, I mean, he might put on weight, but I, he won't be used to it, you know, and it's going to just take some time for adjustment for him because he's so young. Coach, you agree with that or have something else? Yeah, I, I agree totally. I will add playing undisciplined at a fast speed. There is playing fast and and then there's playing fast and being disciplined while you're playing fast. If he gets, you know, um, DJ Carton had seven turnovers against Indiana and it hurt Ohio state. Uh, He might have, but you string together three or four of those games, you're going to see your minutes decline until you get a handle on it in in practice. So I I, I think undisciplined fast pace play uh, could limit his time. 
Yeah, I think that what you guys brought up are the uh, are the ones with him. Uh, Trey Galloway, what uh, what holds him back from getting on the floor? Coach, I'll go to you first on this one. Uh, shooting. If people aren't going to guard him, then we're back to what has been seen the last couple of years where the lengths clogged up for Trace Jackson Davis. Um, I think that would be his number one issue uh, to, to limit his time. I think it's his, I think it's his wrist injury. If his wrist injury is healthy, I think eventually the shooting is going to come. So that's, that's what I kind of root it all back into is he's struggled with that for a couple of years now. Yeah. And I think that's what people will, you know, based on scouting reports, things like that. When, when he comes on the floor initially, that's what opponents are going to do with him is basically force him to make shots. And, and to your point, that wrist injury is healed. He gets it back to a little bit where he was earlier in his high school career. I think some of those fears alleviate. Um, but again, depending upon who you're putting him out there with, if he looks like a non-shooter initially, uh, yeah, we're all going to be having uh, flashbacks on that. Uh, Anthony Leal, uh, Ryan, what's the what's the, the thing or two that might hold him back from getting in there? Just athleticism and, and getting more athletic in the weight program. I think that you, know, you have marked down on there, you know, lateral quickness, and I think that's that's what it is. Can he guard the ball? And he's going to have to play guard. Can he guard the ball? And there's going to be guys wanting to drive by him. So how much help do his teammates need to give him off the ball? Coach? I, I think defensively will, will be his issue. You, you saw it last year with the freshman Armand Franklin, and, and we always talked about him being handsy on the drives and leaning, getting his head too far over. Um, defending at the college level is is a lot different than at the high school level, even though they've played good competition AAU in high school. He's going to have to be able to show Archie that he can guard in order to get major minutes. And it's it's worth mentioning that Leal is a want to defender. He had the effort. It's not a question of effort. It's a question of the physical limitations he has. That again, a college weight program can help you mitigate those. So it's just how far does he get? Yeah, I think the other thing with him that it, it, it really doesn't have anything to do with him, but it's it's almost how the guys in front of him play at the position that he wants to get in there for. If you see a good jump from Armand Franklin, if we see a healthy Rob Fennessy, if Lander uh, is able to acclimate quickly to the college game, you know what you get out of Al. Minutes dry yeah, up. Maybe it's a red shirt. Minutes know? dry up pretty fast um, in that scenario that may really not be anything of Anthony Leal's doing other than he's kind of starting from behind these other guys and things like that. So I'll throw that out as a, at least a, a different option. Uh, and then Geronimo, uh, coach, I'll, I'll throw this one to you. What's maybe something that holds him back despite the uh, athleticism that we talked about? Just ready to play at the Big Ten level on a consistent basis. Uh, I, I just think that's a it's a big jump from where he's coming from. Can he handle that? Um, uh, if not, then then he will get um, uh, some limited minutes. Yeah, Ryan, what about you? Um, yeah, I, th- I think that the, uh, how ready is he? How polished is he? Uh, and also, again, same as you suggested. I mean, does everybody else stay healthy? Do you know? Uh, are the minutes there? I think with the Justin Smith transfer, it's more likely that he plays. But how much? And and we've seen there are a lot of guys there who could take those minutes. Yeah, and Andy, I, I said I saw what you put put in the chat. I think minutes will always rotate, depending on scouting report, who's playing well in practice, who's got the hot hand, or who best fits playing against Illinois versus who's best against Minnesota or what they need. Yeah. And so, therefore, you know, it's really hard to sit there and say it's going to be a certain rotation or a certain amount of minutes. I think I, it's the luxury for Archie to be able to use those guys deeper in the rotation for specifics that are going to be needed per the game plan and scouting report per uh, opponent. Yeah, I really think with all these guys, with with the possible except with a likely exception of Lander, there's going to be a lot of ebbs and flows of minutes that these guys play over the course of time versus what's what's needed in there. Uh, I would get yeah, I would I would echo a lot of what you guys said with Geronimo. I think the competition level, 
may respond well to it, but what he played against in uh, in high school is not necessarily uh, going to be a, a great preparation for him. So we'll see how that goes. The athleticism we think can translate, but the physicality and some of those things, you never really know. So a couple last questions here. We can just rapid fire these. Uh, so who has the clearest path to playing time besides Lander? Uh, Ryan, I'll go to you first on this one. I would say it's probably Galloway because of the energy. Uh, I think that that he may not be the best player of the remaining three, uh, but I think that he, just because this team will need an energy boost, I think he's the guy. Yeah, Coach, what are you? And, and I, I agree. That would be my number one pick. The next in line is Geronimo because you can always use athleticism uh, in certain spots. Um, and there's room on the wing. Reasons. Let's be real. Yeah. Justin Smith's gone. There's room on the wing. Yeah, that, Geronimo, I, I, I probably would say Galloway, although Geronimo for me was close, and I think it's a little bit of – the the opposite of of what I said about Anthony Leal, where is a bit of a is a bit of a log jam there at the position that he plays. I mean, Geronimo's six 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 seven, I think. Um, if if he's able to use his athleticism in a way that allows him to defend other teams that are playing small at the four or different things like that, I think he might be able to get there because it's not a place that IU has a ton of depth. If you look down the roster, if, yeah. if it turns out IU doesn't want to use Jerome Hunter at the at the four, we all kind of talked about that. We weren't really sure how he might be able to hold up to that physically. What does that mean about minutes restrictions? He might already be on different things like that. If that doesn't shake out, then seems like there's a, a road to that for Geronimo. But again, how many minutes a game that means is up in the air. And just to add, none of us mentioned Anthony Leal. If Anthony Leal hit, hits campus and as the season's rolling around, he's hitting 40% from three, he'll be the first one off the bench. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like this team needs shooting. So it all depends on if he gets hot, he could be the first guy off the bench, you know? So uh, it, it really, we don't know. It's all going to depend, but uh, all of these guys can contribute. I think in some way or another, it's just going to depend on how the minutes fall out. Yeah, and so it's also, also I'm sorry. Also important that if we play, depending on the schedule, throwing these freshmen in uh, against the Big Ten right away and playing 20 Big Ten games only, they may not see as many minutes as you would see them early, getting some feet wet and some games you're going to win by 2025 and can get guys some minutes and then let them evolve into a role where they can play more in the Big Ten. So it, it might be a little scar- scarce, 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 um, <laughs> minute-wise just because of the schedule if things are delayed. Yeah. You don't teach English, right? <laughs> I don't teach right. much of anything. I just show up and have a good time with my students. Uh, all right. So do either of you think that anybody red shirts? I know there's not, a, you know, there's really 11 scholarship guys at this point. Does anybody take a red shirt outside of an injury situation? Or do you think they all get to play a little bit? I, I think they'll all play. I think the top candidate for red shirt, given what this team needs, uh, might be Leal or Geronimo, just depending. I think Geronimo's going to play. I mean, I think they're all going to play. But if, if you had to pick a redshirt candidate, maybe Leal because there's some depth at the guard spots with Lander coming in early. Uh, if Lander hadn't come in early, I'd say Leal was get, definitely going to play. But um, no, I don't think anybody's going to redshirt. Yeah, Coach, what about yeah, you? I think th- I like the redshirt idea. I think Villanova uses it well. I think programs that use it well uh, get old and stay old and have really good veterans. I like what Race Thompson has done, and he's had a year, so it's worked here at Indiana. But I think it takes a, a real special young man and family and everyone to understand that they're really on a five-year program, not a four-year program, and we don't know what's being talked about. There might be a freshman that is is going into it with that idea. But I think all these guys can play and play some. And if you're going to have a – you know, it might be more of an idea if it is a shortened season back to January. Um 
that might push a red shirt more than than we would normally think. But given everything as normal right now and Maui going on for Ryan to go, um, <laughs> we I assume that all eleven um, will will suit up and play. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I think if it's anything resembling a normal season, I think they all play. If it gets shorter, I, I think that's where the possibility for that uh, increases. But uh, time will tell with that. So. All right. Well, coming up on the assembly call, we'll uh, answer your questions, including one uh, that ties in well with our freshman topic on the evening. Stick with us here on the assembly call. Romeo Langford, what's the only thing better than handing a game winner to beat Wisconsin? Celebrate it with friends afterwards. Join Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on assembly call after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosers. All right, thank you, Romeo. Figured he was a good one to include given the focus on freshmen in tonight's episode. Uh, welcome back to the assembly call. I'm Andy Bottoms here with Ryan Phillips and the coach, Brian Tonsoni. Remember, you need to be subscribed to our email newsletter. We send out a weekly IU News Roundup, even during the offseason. And after every game, we send out a detailed postgame analysis. Just text IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. That's IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. It's now time for our mailbag. All questions submitted via our private IU basketball discussion community, which you can find out more about at assemblycall.com slash community. And uh, gentlemen, we have a uh, a certain kind of question that we always like to get from our friend Jay. It's not that good, but it's not that bad. It's Jay's mediocre question. This was actually a, a relatively good question, probably slightly better than mediocre. Uh, so Jay's question, uh, based on the freshman, what are your favorite freshman seasons from previous IU players? Not necessarily the best freshman seasons but the ones you enjoyed the most. Uh, Ryan, I'll throw this one to you first. I love Thomas Bryant's freshman year. I thought that was, I loved his energy and it just the infectious nature of his personality. And, you know, in 2016, when they won the big 10 title, I thought he was such a huge part of it. And I loved seeing him. I don't, you know, I don't have the stats in front of me. Uh, you know, I'm sure they were very nice, but it was, it was not just that it was just who he was as a person getting everybody involved and, um, I think that he was part of that big turnaround of that season was his personality, keeping everybody loose and, and, you know, cheering on his teammates. And you remember him. I mean, that guy was starting and, you know, looked like a future first round draft pick. And he was waving a towel when the, when the walk-ons were on at the end of the game. So I just loved his personality. That was, that was a fun season for me to follow. Yeah. That group of him, uh, OG and Juwan as, as freshmen, those guys had a, were a, were a good group uh, coming in. Coach, what about you? Always interesting. Back in the day, there wasn't much recruiting hype, so you you learned about the freshmen when they started uh, playing, and you didn't have this preconceived notion of of what was going to happen. But Steve Alford comes to mind going to the Elite Eight uh, his freshman year, nineteen eighty four. Um, Damon Bailey was very heralded as an eighth grader, and everyone was excited about seeing his freshman year. Again, I don't have the stats in front. Uh, of me, but Yogi Ferrell stands out to me that he finished that squad that was ranked number one, had the number one seed. That squad was good the year before he got there. I think he added that in. Uh, I like good numbers, but I also like winning, uh, impact on winning. Eric Gordon had a really solid freshman year, and that was an interesting recruiting thing with stealing him 
legally or illegally, whatever, from Illinois. Um, that was an interesting. Definitely. Uh, what are you saying, Coach? Definitely legally. Uh, yeah, legally. Um, but uh, there, there's a lot, and I think sometimes expectations. You know, you have to say Romeo had a good freshman year. I, I know a lot of people don't think so uh, because Indiana didn't make the tournament, but his stats stood out. So there have been a lot of freshmen. I think the more recent ones get a lot of hype because we've been watching them for two or three years on the recruiting, and, and we either are happy with their freshman year or not happy with their their freshman year because of that. Yeah, Those Jared. Expectations. Yeah, Jared had put in uh, Brian Evans's freshman year, uh, which was a good one. I think he he redshirted, right? Am I remembering yeah. that correctly? And then he came in. I think that it was the Michigan game at Michigan against the Fab Five. He came off the bench and drilled a few threes, played really well. I'm pretty sure that was his freshman season. Uh, the, the other couple that stood out to me, one was AJ Guyton. This one maybe a little bit more uh, personal, but he was a, an unheralded guy coming in. But it was also my freshman year at IU. He lived down the hall from me uh, at Briscoe with Luke Jimenez, and so it was kind of. One, it was cool initially to know there's a basketball player that was on your on your same floor, but then for him to really turn into a, a, what he, what he was as a freshman uh, w- was really cool to see. Just was always a humble guy, a nice guy to uh, you know pass in the hallway and and talk to. So uh, he was one, and then uh, you know Jay Edwards was another one that came to mind. Look back at this: shot over fifty three percent from three as a freshman. Now he did have the suspension in the middle of it, so that wasn't great. So his actual number of games wasn't. Uh, that of some of the other guys, but he, uh, you know, him and Lyndon Jones coming in from Marion, uh, after all they had accomplished in high school was a, uh, was a cool one. So those were the other couple that, that stood out to me that, um, that I remembered. I mean, even Calbert Chaney, quite honestly, we'd be remiss not to mention him. I mean, to come in really from the, from the jump was, uh, producing at a high level, uh, when, when he came in. So, uh, lots of good freshman season. That was definitely a good, uh, good question guys. We got about, got about 20 seconds left. Uh, we talked about this a little bit during one of the breaks. So we talked about TBT earlier. Uh, quick thoughts on the Elam ending. Coach, I'll throw it to you. Uh, traditionalists don't like it, but I'm starting to enjoy it a little bit more. Don't think it's ready for the college game. Ryan? In, I enjoy it. It makes games exciting, but nope. All right. Well, I yeah, I think it made those games exciting. I don't see it making a uh, transition into the college game anytime soon, but we'll uh, we'll see if that changes. All right, well, that'll do it for tonight's episode of The Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 to join our free email newsletter. Special thanks to Bob Thompson for producing most of the music you hear on the show. And thank you for listening. I'll talk to you again next Thursday night. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim and go Hoosiers. Thank everybody for coming out. All right, I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.